what to discuss today. Hmm. So, well, the Raptors down Raptors by got slaughtered and then what? Met no, almost, and then came back. Well, come on, Portland. Portland was on cruise control the second. Well, that's half. my point. You know, you're Portland, down thirty something. Portland was Portland was ordering the food for the charter. I'll, I'll tell you what. I probably would have watched more of the Raptor game than the Bills game under almost any other circumstance. But two things happened. The Bills and Chiefs were unbelievably entertaining right from the the get-go. And I flipped on the Raptor game, and they were down like 15. And then I flipped it on again. They were down 30. And I went, well, that's enough of that. And so I got a chance to actually concentrate on the football game. And that's what we're going to talk about. tell you what, though, the Rams and and Bucks. Uh, the fourth quarter there was as wild as anything too. I mean, Tom well, Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady almost pulled it out again. Yeah, well, if his defense had played better, they would have at least gone, um, had a chance in overtime. Uh, Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News will join us. Football is the topic of conversation, and a lot about the uh, Bills and the Chiefs when we come back after these messages. Uh, we are back, and. Uh, it's McCowan, it's uh, Shannon, and Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News uh, joins us. What do you want to talk about, John? Hockey? Well, listen, uh, well, I, I, my re- no, Pat and I go back to when, when Pat and I go back to when uh, Pat covered the Rangers. That's where I met Pat when he was the beat reporter for. Uh, was Torch the coach then? He was. He was. He was the one uh, ending the press conferences prematurely, and you were one of the. <laughs> The many pros that I didn't belong in the same room with, but oh, who treated stop. me like I did. So no, no, no. You, you, oh, we, I we appreciated had, that. Oh yeah, don't don't do that in front of Bob because now don't I'm going to take that. it all week. I'm going to take it all. Week. <laughs> but, but by the way, Bob, do you see what's over uh, Pat's left shoulder? You see that little bobbleheads there, Baker Mayfield, and I think that's Odell Beckham Jr. A bobblehead. Have I shown you guys this one? Hold on. Look at the top. That is John Tortorella and Larry <laughs> and me. Oh, you got your own bobblehead? My wife did it for me uh, oh when God. we got married. They, there was like a place that you take a picture of something and they create the bobblehead. So Torts is immortalized in the Leonard house. Well, hold on. Did your wife do one for Tortorella too or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Torts didn't get one. He okay. Did, yeah, he just gets, uh, he just gets uh, you know, talked about around the dinner table every once in a while when we tell some good <laughs> stories about the Ranger days. The one hockey note I do have for you guys, Hope which I'm sure you're aware. Henrik Lundqvist number going up into the rafters around here. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's happening special. this week and that's special and talk about a true pro, man. I could cover sports for a hundred more years and wouldn't meet somebody as classy as Henrik. Um, well, we congratulate him and he deserves <laughs> to be there. <laughs> Bob has no interest in Henrik Lundqvist number 30 going in the, into the rafters. Pat. Well, I acknowledge he was a good, t- you know, target. And and uh, and played well, but and, you know what? He didn't play as a rookie, as an eighteen-year-old, and won how many Stanley Cups? Uh, no Stanley Cups, but he won the yeah. Olympic gold medal. That's fair. Well, that's fair. That's 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 fair. He'll, That'll always he'll be, be on the resume. He, and he'll he'll go into the Hockey Hall of Fame, my friend. He will go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I will say the only thing I ever encountered in hockey like that Bills Chiefs playoff game we just witnessed is that Stanley Cup final. Uh, in person for me anyway, right. the Rangers and Kings going back and forth and the Kings basically ending, ending them in five games, but they essentially played eight full games of hockey to get it done. So, uh, and the only reason, the only reason it went to overtime so many times was because of Lundquist. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
Well, okay, let's, okay let's, Bob, go. Let's get to the football games. <laughs> Do it. And, and most specifically, the one last night. Um, and there are so many issues um, at play here. But let's start with this. Uh, the Bills march down the field, take the lead with 13 seconds left. Um, they're up three. They're, the question now is, do you kick the ball into the end zone? Give them the ball on the 25 with 13 seconds left. Or, as many have suggested, why don't you squib kick it? Um, at least squib kick it deep. Not taking into consideration that I'm guessing, I don't know about what you think, Pat, but I'm guessing that uh, Kansas City covers the, covers the ball and, and goes down on it, takes a knee right away. So you're probably only going to get one, maybe two seconds off the clock. But was that the play? Was that what the Bills should have done? I think the play is to kick it in play and try and try to make them make the decision. You know, it's like in tennis, just get the ball back over the net and then make them make a mistake. You know, I feel like that's what the Bills should have done there. You know, I covered the Giants this year. They were a bad team and I was at all their games. But one thing that Joe Judge came from now, we're talking about the Bill Belichick school of special teams and Belichick, you know, he made his bones there. That's what he's known for and how he got to be this great coach is being in the details in the weeds of the special teams and knowing exactly how to gain an edge on that third side of the ball. And one thing that judge always preached that Belichick would teach is, well, first of all, here's the thing. You need a kicker who, if you ask him to put the ball there and you point to a spot, you know, he can do it. Mm -hmm. So if the bills didn't feel like their kicker could do that, that could be one reason that they said, just kick it out of the end zone. But what I'm getting at is if you kick the ball to around say the 10 or 15, but you loft it high, you can give your kicking coverage team time to get down there so you're not giving up a big return, but right. you're also making their returner dance around and waste three or four seconds. I think the Chiefs have so many playmakers that they're probably looking to make a play if they catch that kick. But you're right, Bob. I mean, they could have easily been coached to just take a knee. I think really the, the, the you lose the game as Buffalo with what happened on defense. But certainly I think it's fair to second-guess the decision to kick the ball out of the end zone. But yeah. Would we be second guessing, guys? Would we be even second guessing if the Bills wind up stopping them, which is what would happen 99.9 times out of 100? Or is right. this just an issue because Kansas City throws two passes, gets in field goal range, and knocks it through, and we go to overtime? My personal opinion is what you just said, which is I even think the same way about the overtime rules. Yes, you could debate the overtime rules, whether they're fair. Yes, you could debate the kick. I believe that you have 13 seconds to yeah. stop a team, you know, from the 25 to, from getting in field goal range. That's the issue. So well, I Pat, don't think we're talking about it. You know, let me, let me ask you, I, I, I don't think I've ever been to an NFL practice, um, but you have mm -hmm. special teams practice a lot of stuff. I assume. Um, oh, yeah. Would, would they practice short kicks? Is there in part of specialties? Do they sure. practice short kicks? Absolutely. You practice it not only for when it comes up in the game as a situation, you're also practicing it from the vantage point of you may alter who is lined up where on your kick coverage team based on, okay, our kicker directionally is more accurate kicking it to his left. Mm -hmm. And now our fastest player and best tackler is, you know, number 30. And so if we need to pin a team 
and try to prevent a return, but try to keep the ball in bounds. Maybe we want him to kick it to the 25 on the left hash and have number 30 be in line for that slot on the kick coverage team. So you're practicing all of those situations and you're also trying to decide where your personnel best fits with the play call. So yes, certainly they practice it and there are special teams periods every day. Though, John, I will say, depending on the team, you could spend more or less time on teams. <laughs> yeah. You know, like Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur from the Niners and the Packers basically talk about special teams almost as if they're an afterthought. And certainly they were an afterthought with the Packers, as we saw. But then a team like the Giants this year with Joe Judge, you know, he treats it just as important as offensive defense. Well, I mean, the bottom line for me is, you know, you should not be able to go 50 yards in, in 13 seconds. I mean, heck, as our producer Hugh McClarty pointed out, Dak Prescott took 14 seconds before he couldn't even ground the ball at the end of the the, the Dallas game. So 13 right. seconds to put it in field goal position, it should not happen. It should well, not happen. And one of the one of the plays on that drive, like Tony Romo pointed out right after the play, why is Buffalo rushing four? Because you know Mahomes has to get the ball out quickly anyway. You should drop one of those defenders off the line into coverage to just clog it up more and the funny thing before that play one of the defensive linemen the edge on the left side was actually backed up off the line about five or six yards and one of the bill safeties kind of pushed him forward and said no no go rush the quarterback so you have to wonder when you're thinking wait was that part of the call did that safety make a mistake and kind of telling him to get down but those are also the details john and bob that just they're inexcusable and in the moment, and you asked about practice. I thought that was a great question just about the special teams because on defense, any side of the ball, when you're in the moment, these guys are all human, just like you or me. Mm-hmm. And so the, your heart's racing, the emotions are high, the adrenaline's high. If you haven't practiced what exactly to do and the details of that situation before that, you're not going to execute it properly when you get there. Well, one of the things, and again, there's so many different ways we can go here but one of the things that stood out to me all weekend long and look we talk about the two quarterbacks in the buffalo kansas city game and and how fantastic they were and there's no doubt they were but what we also saw was a complete collapse of defenses late (laughs) in every single game yeah um yeah you know you got to give credit to the offense but at the same time, you look at the defenses and say, well, what are you thinking? What yeah. are you doing? Um, the right. Bills, it looked like the Bills were trying to prevent the outside pass. But Kansas City had all their timeouts left. They they could go down the middle, which is what they did on that first play, yeah. which essentially put them, you know, gave them a chance. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah. It, the Bills were playing defense almost like, well, they still gave up a touchdown. But or, or they give up the field goal there. They give up a touchdown. And the prevent the defense, goal. full prevent. Right. They were playing as if they were trying to prevent a touchdown when they only needed a field goal to tie it and send it to overtime. It, Agreed. You know, and, and even going to the Rams game, when they gave up that big touchdown to Mike Evans down the sideline, you know, sometimes it's bad coaching. Other times, you look at that play where Jalen Ramsey lets Evans get over top of him. And, you know, listen, you're paid to be the, the best corner in the game, so you got to make the play. But they pointed out after that play on the replay, the Rams safety who was supposed to have that half of the field for whatever reason moved inside and took the receiver running up the scene instead of Mike Evans, one of the best receivers in the league, 
who Tom Brady is going to throw to and has been throwing to the entire second half. So every play is different. Sometimes it's coaching. Sometimes it's just a short circuit of a player's brain. And certainly, you know, I, I'm sure you guys have heard this, you know, having covered sports and I've always heard this from guys who have been in Stanley Cup finals and Super Bowls and everything. They tell you that when the moment gets this stressful in these kind of games, the guys who perform do not raise their level above everybody else. They just stay level mm. when everyone else drops because the pressure's too high. And so I think that really what you see is a majority of these guys are human and they succumb to the pressure whether it's a coach just throwing out the complete wrong call and not being prepared for the moment or a player like that safety or like, uh, you know, even, even the bills pass rushers, just not disrupting Patrick Mahomes at all, not taking anything other than just the outside lanes and letting him step up and throw. These guys are just dropping down in the key moments. And it's really a shame because we just saw an all time performance out of Mahomes, obviously, mm -hmm. but out of Josh Allen. I mean, I'm talking to people this morning around the league. What is Allen going to do to beat the Chiefs and get over the hump? You can't play any better than that. And you had the best defense in the league on your team at your disposal. And now this is the result. Where do you go from here if you're the Bills? Well, I, you know, I, if you take Josh Allen's, if, if you had been on a, a Caribbean cruise for the last two weeks, uh, hopefully he didn't catch COVID. But if you were on a Caribbean cruise for the last two weeks and didn't have any access to radio or television or the web, and you looked at his numbers for the game against New England and this game, you'd say, well, they won big both times. They won big both times. And how, I mean, this guy is, this guy's the best quarterback in football. Uh, and yet, I mean, the only thing that, the only thing that could have happened, Pat, was maybe they put Josh Allen to play safety. <laughs> that's the only thing that they could do i mean he did everything he should have done and and more his running mm -hmm. I, I i i you know you've heard all the stories how what a great runner he is and i you know for his size i thought yeah he's probably a good runner. what a runner he is how many how many tools do you have in the toolbox well and and for being a you know in new york here as well where brian dable the bills offensive coordinator is a leading candidate to be their next head coach. People as Giants fans are watching these games and saying, oh yeah, you know, Daniel Jones could thrive in this. Look at Dable's offense. This is amazing. Dable calls a great game, whatever. Nobody is Josh Allen though. Right. And Daniel Jones, when he runs those runs that you're talking about that Josh Allen executes, often he's getting hurt. Maybe he's fumbling. Josh Allen is, is running guys over. I mean, how about that one play in the fourth quarter where he ran right up the middle, lowered his shoulder, and the DB had to leave the game and never came back? I mean, he is literally punishing people when he runs. It, he makes no sense as an athlete. He really is that unique. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's horrifying if you're a Bills fan or anybody in the Bills organization to wake up uh, you know, this week and look at your stats and look at your quarterback and say that we're somehow still not there yet. It was, was that the run where he uh, right up the middle where he carried the ball way up over his head at one point? I mean, that was, oh I mean, <laughs> every coach was freaking out over where the ball was, but his hands are so big, I guess that it's not really an issue, right? Everybody in North America is screaming, tuck the ball in, you know, right? <laughs> and he, he really, and then finally he tucks it. Yeah, I remember LaShawn McCoy used to carry the ball like that, like a loaf of bread. 
Well, you know, I appreciate you guys. The offense sells tickets. Offense. Well, it's an offensive is, league now, Bob. It's an well, offensive league. It is and it isn't. I mean, the Buffalo Bills had one of the best defenses in the National Football League all year. Mm-hmm. And they collapsed in this game. They, they yep. played poorly in this game. And I think we're all old enough. Certainly John and I are old enough to remember, you know, an era in the National Football League where you, defense wins. Defense wins games. Defense wins championships. Pittsburgh Steelers won a bunch of championships because of the Iron Curtain defense. Yeah. Not because of Bradshaw. You know, Bradshaw was okay. And, you know. Well, he was more than okay. Well, but they won because because opposing offenses couldn't score points against them. That's why they won. That's where they were superior. And the Buffalo Bills should have been, could have been that team. But in a big game, they were, and especially at the end, uh, they were just chewed up by Mahomes. And you're talking about the DC of uh, of the Bills being a candidate for the Giants' oh, the o- head coaching o- job. offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. Oh, is he the OC? Yeah, yeah, he's the offensive coordinator. Well, and actually, Leslie, Leslie Fraser interviewed too, didn't he, Pat? He did. He did. It's a good <laughs> thing he interviewed before the game because I don't think he'd get one. <laughs> exactly <after>. what <laughs> I was going to say. And, and and Bob, to your point though. It's funny because the the Sunday games was defensive collapses all over the place. The Saturday games were examples of defenses winning games yeah. and even special teams in the in the in the realm of the Niners. But you know, like the Cincinnati Bengals, everybody's talking about Joe Burrow, and you know, it's good reason. I mean, he's turning into a great quarterback and one of the best in the league. But you know, the the Titans on the one hand are shaking their heads saying. We sacked Joe Burrow nine times and we lost. How is that possible? Well, the Cincinnati Bengals intercepted Ryan Tannehill three times. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why it's possible. That play selection and that last oh. drive was despicable. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, Mike Vrabel should have gone in to the office after the game and fired the offensive coordinator and totally. said, What are you doing? How could totally. you be so stupid? How could you on a fourth down gamble? Give the ball to a guy nine yards off the line. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And John, like, this is something that bugs me too in the NFL because some head coaches are offensive coaches and then they might know a lot about defense. So they just let the defensive coordinator call the D or they're defensive head coaches, but they don't know offense very well. So they just let the offensive coordinator call it. Whatever your specialty is and whatever you have hands off on, whatever, in these moments, in these huge moments, I don't care what your resume says. If you're my head coach and I'm paying you $5 million a year or $8 million a year, whatever it is, if your OC is making calls like that and putting your team in a position to lose, it is incumbent upon you. You're on the headset. You're hearing it come in. You need to tell him we are not running that. Yeah. This is, I always come down on this. It's like it's the head coach's fault regardless because you're, you're letting it happen if you're not saying that's absurd, we can't call this. Or if you're letting your OC in a big spot like even not give your best players the ball. Like even Andy Reid had a call in that game against the Bills where they, I think it was a third down in the red zone where he lined up his backup tight end at quarterback and then ran like a pitch to the right. 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 And the Bills stop it. And it was a, yes, it's a creative play call. It could catch you off guard. And the Bills safety made a great tackle to stop it. But you have the best quarterback in the league on your team and you're taking the ball out of his hands in the red zone, third down of a playoff game. So, you know, there's a lot of ways that these coaches out outthink and overthink themselves. I always like to tell people, you know, during draft season and during these games, when 
there's so many GMs and coaches and people around the sport who always like to act uh, holier than thou and think that they're the experts and you're not. But you watch mistakes like that, and, you, and that is why a lot of fans on their couch think I could call a better game here. <laughs> well, the, the, the interesting part of that, Pat, is is that we have seen a huge, I, and I think it's based on analytics more than anything, a huge change, particularly this year, in the fact that teams do gamble on fourth down now there's a lot more a lot more coaches taking chances in those situations but you've got to call yeah. the right play you, yeah. have, you can take chances but then don't expect your fullback or your running back to just jam it in behind the offensive line and expect to get two yards you know yeah. gosh that was ridiculous i mean that that's that was the one thing that in the tampa game i liked with leonard fournette at least at least going outside go outside freelance right. come on yep yep and, and you know it's interesting in the nfl one thing that caused a lot of people to re- open people's eyes to be more aggressive when it's called for was the eagles super bowl win because they never beat the patriots regardless of how many things went right for them if doug peterson and frank reich and nick Foles together don't keep their foot on the gas right. the entire game against the patriots and they win and so you see it work now, there's times it doesn't work. You look at the Bills, though. Their first drive, they go down the field and they score and make it 7 nothing at the start. And everyone says, well, what a drive. Well, they went for it on fourth and three or four around midfield and get yep. it. And they also go for it on fourth and goal and get it. And so, you know, there are instances where it's called for and it works. And, you know, the numbers do bear out often that it's going to improve your chances of winning by going for it in a lot of those situations. The key is, as you guys know, you can't let the numbers just completely dictate the game. You know, is the other team's best safety out? Does that, does that you know, affect what you call or that you go for it? Mm-hmm. Or is your best running back out of the game? And therefore, even though running theoretically here on fourth and short would be the game, would be the right call. Well, we can't do it because Derrick Henry's foot hurts and he's out of the sideline and he's gassed. So those are things I think you need to take into consideration whenever you make those calls as well. Well, I'll tell you one. I mean, this is a little off topic, but not really. One of the things I thought a lot about is if I was a head coach in the national football league, would I, would I go for the two point convert every time? Mm-hmm. I don't mean occasionally because what we see now is when they, you know, now that they've moved that spot back, it isn't automatic anymore. Now, what do they make? 95%, probably something in that range, but still you now have the opportunity to put the ball in the two yard line and go for two points. And I wonder whether we're ever going to see somebody, uh, you know, we're talking about fourth down plays 15 years ago. You never saw that. You never saw teams go for fourth down unless it was a critical point in the game. Right. And, and why do they go for, for the, uh, try on fourth down now because the goalposts are back Mm -hmm. and um, you know, if you're at midfield, it doesn't make sense to try a pooch kick and get it inside the 20, you know, I mean, it it is analytics, but I wonder how far those analytics go. Tell you what, if I got, if I have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen as my quarterback, I'm going for two, a heck of a lot more than, well, and that's my, that, I guess that's my point is, you know, is there a, is there an extreme disadvantage in going for two? Can you expect to get it 50% of the time? Cause if you can do get it 50% of the time, you're, you're in the exact same position as you are. If you kick singles. 
Yeah, no, the, the, the percentages general, the, the percentages bear out that it would be more advantageous to do what you're saying now. But like, that's why I agree with you when you're saying it's situational too, based on what your roster looks like. Of course. But then like people were also looking at which, which team was it? I'm, there's so many games now in my head. Which game was it at early? Was it the Titans who, or was it the Bucks where at early in the game, they score a touchdown and then the other team commits a penalty. So instead of at the, being at the two, they were at the one. So then they went for the two point conversion and everybody was, and they didn't get it. I think it might've been the Titans. Um, yeah, anyway, so. uh, anyway, the people were saying, oh, you know, analytics strikes again, it was a bad decision. That's not an analytics decision. That's just a, now we only have one yard to go. You know, we'd love, we'd love two points. And basically the percentages already are higher for your percentages to win the game, going for two and getting it there. So now you have better chance of getting it from going from the one. So yes, you're, you're crunching the numbers and you're looking into it, but if you're a responsible head coach, you have the guy in your ear telling you those percentages. You also have the offensive coordinator telling you who you have available personnel wise. You also know, okay, even though in general, this guy might be telling me we have a 58% chance of winning the game if we get it and a 48, if we don't, but I also might know that this season we've been six for eight going for two. So if you're that team where you're already successful doing it, and now you know the opposing defense struggles with it, and you hear all those numbers, you know, I think it's just about laying all, laying all the information out on the table and not being ignorant to what you're hearing. But certainly we've seen teams who have played conservatively and not gone off the deep end, and it has benefited them as well. I think the Chargers are just a good example of it worked a lot for them this year, but because in big moments it did not, and because I think their coach kind of took it to the nth degree, then you, <laughs> you see think? that. You think? Yeah, right. Well, it's like <laughs> now you look at the extremes, and I, you know, I think it's just a good rule of thumb. If you're a, wow. if you're a coach or a player, like the extremes is not where to live. You don't well, live in the extremes. Here's here's the reality. If your kicker misses an extra point and you lose the game, it's the kicker's fault. If you go for two and don't make it, it's the coach's fault. Yeah. And, and, you know, let's face it. It's about job security to a great extent. So that taking that risk is a big risk for a head coach. The, the, the other thing that, the yeah. other thing that has, didn't get mentioned very much when you t- speak about kickers, Bob, is that Butker, who's one of the best kickers in the game, did not have a very good game until that, that field goal at the end of regulation. He missed a field goal he should have made. He missed an extra point he should have made. Uh, and yeah. you have to wonder what kind of influence that had on the game. Uh, we got other things to talk about. We got to take a quick break. Pat Leonard is with us from the New York Daily News. We'll be back after these messages. McCowan, it's uh, Shannon back with you. Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News is uh, with us as we discuss the um, extraordinary football weekend that we just observed. All right, let's uh, rewind a little bit, go back to Kansas City, Buffalo, because here comes the other thing that we haven't discussed yet that is um, being discussed by everybody else, and that is the overtime rule. Uh, We saw the Kansas City situation. They win the toss. It is a coin flip. A game should not be decided by a coin flip, in my opinion, and I don't think anybody else believes that's the case, and technically it wasn't, but... They get the ball, they march down the field, they score a touchdown, game's over. The Buffalo Bills don't get an opportunity to respond. Um, do you like, 
do you, first of all, think this rule that the NFL has now is the right rule? Uh, no, I don't. I think, um, I think each team should be guaranteed a possession in overtime. Me too. I, I do think that the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago lost in this exact same fashion. And after that, they submitted a proposal to change it, mm -hmm. yeah. to change these rules, and it didn't pass. And so that's what's ironic here is now they're winning by virtue of a rule that they actually tried to get changed in the first place. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a way to end the game. And I think, especially Bob, I, I don't know if you agree, but when you're watching a game like that and you see that Josh Allen is playing the way he is and Patrick Mahomes is playing the way he is, you want to see more of both of them and you want to give them more of a chance in that extra frame. I personally don't think the overtime rules are the, are the reason that the Bills lost the game. You know, I, I don't think that I'm not hung up on that as much as them not getting the stop and regulation, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's an appropriate way to, to win a one and done sudden death playoff game. Well, I don't know if you would agree, but if this was a 13, 13 game going to overtime, this subject is, is less impactful because you would say, well, there was very little chance anyway, that the offense never showed anything for the first 60 minutes. It probably wouldn't have made much difference, but as you pointed out, this was two gunslingers mm -hmm. who I was going to say looked like they couldn't be stopped, but couldn't be stopped, period. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that last two minutes was extraordinary. Maybe as, um, as spectacular a last two minutes as I've ever seen in any football game anywhere. So, so how do you change the rule? Well, simply, you just say each team has to have one possession. You know, the, the rule now is, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, because I'm sure you know it. If you kick a field goal, if the first team that gets the ball kicks a field goal, the other team does get a possession. Right. But if, right. You score, it, if the first team gets a touchdown, game's over. And right. as was the it, case, it also, with Buffalo, it also ends if it, it also ends if a team gets a safe safety. Yeah. Which is which is interesting as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's. But the is, reason for that, hey, the reason for that, Pat, is because, and I, and I know the reason all along for the overtime rule the way it was, was that people said, well, this is a, this is two sides of the football. There are, there's, you know, the defense is just as important as the offense. And so that's why we're going to give respect to the defense. And if, if you score a touchdown, you know what? The defense should have stopped you. And so it's, it's, it's a 50 50 game. The problem right now is, particularly with teams like Kansas City and with the Rams and, and, and with the Bills, it's 60-40, 70-30 now. It's offense versus defense. And that's, that's the problem. The game has shifted, and the rules haven't shifted enough. Well, the, the first thing I would change is you call heads. Do we agree? You don't call tails, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's the first thing I said. I looked, I looked, I've texted people right when Josh Allen calls tails. I said, tails? You know, but uh, no, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, the, I think the way you change it is now there's, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of ideas. Like I know I saw Nick Wright, you know, a personality and a, and a chiefs fan in, in the U S was suggesting that you let one team pick, um, you know, this, the, who, you know, who, who starts with the ball right. and the other team pick uh, where the team starts with the ball or something like that. And, give both teams a, a share. You're never going to have something as wacky as that. 
I, I think you hit right on the head, John. The, the thing people have a problem with is that people in football consider football a team game. Yes. And not that other sports aren't, but they think it's unfair, not just because the other offense didn't get it, but that a team's defense could be such a weak link all game. And then it would have the advantage of not having to put its defense on the field when the game is actually on the line. So, you know, I think that part is fair. I don't know what the accurate way is. I think like, just like with the catch rule in the NFL, one of my problems with the NFL is that they almost always react to an issue on the field by changing a rule. And then you always have an unintended unintended consequence with whatever you change the rule to. So I think that if they change this rule, you'd have somebody complaining about the fact that, well, now both teams get the ball when the other team was really deserving and they scored a touchdown first. And, you know, so I don't know if there's a perfect way. I do think, though, that at the very least, you give that second team a chance to score a touchdown and tie if the first team with the ball goes into the end exactly. zone scores. I okay. do think that that's a fair way of doing it. I'm going to put my TV hat on here. And so I'm sitting in a, you know, an expensive suite at uh, uh, 30 Rock or, 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 or CBS, and I'm Sean McDonough, and I'm saying, hold on. Travis Kelsey scored a touchdown. You know, the play-by-play announcer, Jim Nance, yelled. It was great drama. If you do it any other way, we aren't guaranteed great drama. You know, if we end up, you know, we score a touchdown and then the other team gets the ball and goes down and they, in four plays, they don't go more than 12 yards, the game's over. There's no drama in that. There's no excitement. There's no he shoots, he scores or a touchdown moment. We need the drama of that last play. The other thing is, is you know as well as I do, Pat, the networks want the game over as quick as possible. (laughs) You know, we got to get to 60 minutes. There's a slot. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get to 60 minutes. We love the overtime. We got new eyeballs. We don't get that many more commercials, but we've got to get the game over. So I, you wonder yeah. how much influence that will have in the, deci- in, in, in the decision process as well. Yeah, no. And I think, and I think what Bob said early on too, about like the high scoring nature of this game makes it a bigger issue that the other team doesn't get the ball in overtime. I think that's true too. And, you know, but I, I guess I agree with you, John, that the drama and the sudden death one play finishes the game nature of it really is something that from an entertainment standpoint and the television standpoint, both from a brevity perspective and a drama perspective is too hard to replicate with a lot of other, you know, uh, formats. And I just go back to uh, football games are long games. I know that there's a clock and it dwindles down. And sometimes you see some of these games feels like the first half's over in five seconds, but football games are long games. You have a lot of time in four quarters to make your imprint on a game and to win it. And so I, I really do not dwell on the OT rules of this game and of this outcome, because I feel like the bills had every opportunity to win and to do it. And really, if we're being honest, wasn't that whole fourth quarter or second half of the fourth quarter kind of like overtime with both teams getting the ball? I mean, it's kind of what, what it was like. It kind of what it felt like, even though one there was exchanging leads, it felt like the opportunity for both teams to keep getting the ball to win the game. So 
I don't look at that and say only the Chiefs had an opportunity at the end. Well, they did. You can you can say whatever you want, but that's exactly what happened because of the rules. And the fact that Shannon babbles on about uh, oh, they have, the importance these, of these television. Have, well, yeah. Yeah, this is completely and utterly nonsensical. You know what, John? If you want the game to end sooner, cut out some of the bleeping uh, commercials. Oh, yeah, right, Bob. Because television isn't important in the NFL. Television Call has heads. no way. Call heads. <laughs> there you go. That's the, that's I the couldn't solution. Care. I couldn't care less what uh, television wants. You're, you're putting oh, on an entertainment product. You know, if a television network wants to, wants to show uh, a movie that's a half hour longer than another movie, if they put The Godfather on, which is I don't know how long, you know, then you accommodate that. And, you know, we don't start games at one and four anymore. We now start them at one and what, four fifteen or yeah. four. Why is that? Why is that, Bob? Well, because why you got so many damn commercials on the television side. Well, That's because why. the NFL is making so much money from their business partners. That's well, why television yeah. has a role to play in the decision making process. That's all my point is. Well, and you know that them. as well as I do. Yeah, and screw them. I couldn't care less what they want. <laughs> well, that, obviously, Roger Goodell's not on this call. <laughs> well, I tell him, you get him on, we'll, we'll talk to him. Okay. There's yeah, a, not yet. He's not on yet. He keeps that, talking that, like this. He might jump on here. That's right. That's right. Bring him on. So <laughs> here's, here's the other issue in relationship to how the game ended. Oh. College football has a different system. Yeah. College football puts the ball at, what, the 35-yard line, and, and away you go. And then the other team gets a chance. And you go back and forth until somebody outscores the other guy. But and everybody after the, and after the second after the second chance, you have to go for a two point conversion too. I think. Yeah. It is a rule um, or a theory, well, a practice that the Canadian Football League actually wound up adopting. Not that that's relevant, um, but games can go on a long time. Uh, we've well, seen. I you know, we've seen 30 points in an, in an overtime. Sure. It's, it's you know, Alabama, um, Texas A&M this year, I think, wasn't it? Was it? Well, there's, Texas, there's, all, there's one or, or two Texas every Texas. year. Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Well, that's my point. So is that, do you go to each team should get one possession, regardless of what happens in the first possession? Or do you take a look at the college system? I don't like the college system because I think it's a different game than what the real game is that, you know, it's kind of like the NHL with the shootout, you know, like, <laughs> wait a minute, the, you know, we could derogatorily call it the skills competition, right. Where it's like, wait, we played, you know, 60 or that. 70 or whatever minutes of this. And now this is how we're deciding who gets the extra point, you know? So I, I don't like college because of that, especially the way that they go after the two overtime periods, if they're tied, like you said, then they give the ball, at the three yard line and go in from there. You know, I think it, I think it's gimmicky. I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I would say this, I, I think that I would understand if you wanted to give the other team a possession, regardless of whether the first team scores a touchdown or not. I totally understand that. Um, I don't think it would be unfair or uh, negatively affect the game, but I don't like the idea in the NFL of, letting a team start at a certain yard line or um, have a short field in that regard. Like I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of solving games that way. And uh, like you said, in the college, it can drag on forever when you do it that way too. But I think that the bigger reason for me is just keep playing the same game you have. And, and Bob, it sounds like you and I disagree too, in a little bit of, 
you know, I really do come out of that game not feeling bad at all for the Bills that they didn't get the ball in OT. I, I mean, I do agree that you'd ideally love to have seen them do it, but boy, did they find a way to lose. I mean, mm. you know, they, I just think they had every opportunity to win before it. I, I am no Bills fan. So the, I'm, yeah. not, I'm, not, I'm not taking this from that perspective. I know that there are plenty oh, of yeah. Bills fans out there that, that they look at it because they think they got ripped off. Mm. And I'm sure on Buffalo Talk Radio today, that's all they're talking about. They're bitching and complaining about the rule, but they're not doing it for any reason other than really that, um, that their team lost and they're looking for any excuse possible. Um, and in terms of referencing the national hockey league and what they do, um, maybe, maybe the answer should be, and I'm intrigued by what John would say about this. Um, maybe they should take six players off the field and play five on five. <laughs> well, seven on seven football there. I think there was a league for a couple of years, seven on seven football. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. That, then, then try stopping Tyreek Hill if it's five on five yeah, or seven. No on thanks. Seven. That, now you got no chance. Yeah. Hey, we haven't really talked about, uh, you know, two of the iconic players who are, were eliminated this weekend. Mm. Where, where's Aaron Rodgers play next year? I think, he, I think he plays in Green Bay again. I, I think the main factor, really, is his division stinks. And, you know, the AFC, I mean, we look, we just saw yeah. the AFC quarterbacks that he would have to beat <laughs> to get to the Super Bowl if he went to a team in the AFC. And now you have Joe Burrow and, Joe, and uh, Justin Herbert as well joining the crowd. In the NFC, I think, you know, the, the Lions – the, you know, they, they're rebuilding from the ground up. The Bears are looking for a new coach and general manager. You know, the Vikings are looking for a new coach and general manager. I mean, there, there is one thing to consider. Rodgers has said very openly that he might hang it up. And even though I think he's a complete drama queen who loves to drag all this stuff out and he could just be making noise, it's a real thing that their cap situation the fact that guys like Devontae Adams and others are free agents, they're not going to be able to keep the band completely together here. So if this looks like the Packers have to move on and retool and look like a younger team, mm -hmm. I could certainly see Rogers stepping away, but I'll tell you this, this guy is obsessed with his legacy. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of people in sports and at high levels of a lot of professions who that means a lot to them. And, I'm not saying that's wrong for them to feel that way. I don't think he's going out like this. I mean, granted, he might win another MVP award. I just don't believe he's going to go out like this. And I think that Green Bay ultimately is the best place for him. If he leaves and plays somewhere else or, you know, wants to play somewhere else, I think the Denver Broncos are the team most likely to pursue him and land him. And you'd also have to throw in teams like, um come on the say the say the 49ers say the Pittsburgh it. Steelers say the yeah, 49ers the 49ers are <laughs> yet they, Kyle Shanahan has has had eyes for him for a long time um spending all that capital on Trey Lance only to go get Aaron Rodgers I mean boy the cupboard would be bare over there but no but you, yeah I, I think you could sit there and say say because Garofalo has in my opinion Garofalo on the weekend played himself out of a new contract in San Francisco. I really think he did. So you go get Aaron Rodgers and you say, Hey, here's your legacy. Come home to Northern California. You know, he played at Cal uh, and uh, 
you do for for uh, Lance, uh, you, you do for Nance that that what uh, what Brett did for you. Do it. So, Let's go. Though, so, so are you are if you're Aaron Rodgers, are you to play devil's advocate? Are you going? Are you deciding of your own free will to go into a division with Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray? And do you believe that that would actually improve your chances of winning a Super Bowl? Well, I tell you what. I'm not playing against those guys. I'm playing against the team's defenses, and I think I can beat any defense in the NFL. Well, that's all well that's and good, but but he wants to win. I mean, at the end I, of the I day, I think the 49ers are a great place for him. Well, it may be true, but it, but it's going to be up to him. I think the decision is going to be made based on: Do I have a better chance to win a Super Bowl in San Francisco, or do I have a better chance in Green Bay, uh, or well, somewhere else? And you and know, John, and, to your point too. To, sorry to interrupt you, Bob, but to, to both of your points. One thing you're alluding to, John, that is very real in the NFL that a lot of this stuff never gets out. But, you know, like you alluded to, like Shanahan and Rodgers, Shanahan is one of Rodgers. And, you know, conversations happen behind the scenes. Like there was noise last year that Sean Payton really wanted Russell Wilson in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Um, The Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay coincidental meetup in Cabo. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, it says gullible on the ceiling, too. You know, so this stuff happens. These conversations happen and there are relationships that affect these things as well. So to, to your point, John, do I think Rogers would benefit from going to a division like that as far as from a competitive standpoint? No, but will those kinds of conversations occur sure. based on the relationships behind the scenes? Absolutely. All right. We would have said, um, you know, a t- uh, you know, we're looking forward to a Tampa Bay green Bay NFC championship. I mean, now that's not going to happen, obviously and two of the great quarterbacks in the history of the game are not going to be, uh, are going to face off. But as we sit here today, we're down to four. Mm-hmm. Who, who's the best of this group? Who's the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now? Oh, no question. The favorite has to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Just, be, just because you've just proven that they can go up against an unstoppable offense for a large part of the game. And they still win. So, you know, the Niners are the Niners are a really tough team that will not go away. They look, though, like they are so banged up that it just might be too much to overcome some injuries to key players, namely the left tackle, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, who's one of my favorite players in the league. And to John's point, you know, Garoppolo, I mean, the, the, the team helped him win the game. He didn't win that game. No. So, you know, I think the Niners, you have to say, it's probably going to be too tough for them. The Rams have the recipe. Yes. They, they, uh, they here's, here's the X factor. And I know you guys have seen this too. I'm not breaking any news here, but Bon Miller. Yeah. He, they acquired him. If you remember when they traded for him with, from the Broncos, they didn't even play him right away because he had an ankle injury. They just said to him, get your ankle right, get in the weight room, get in the training room, do what you got to do, get some massages. We're going to need you in the playoffs. And you can see he's gotten all of that work done and he is ready. I mean, when he popped Brady on that play, or Brady got the, pers- the unsportsmanlike conduct for yelling at the ref, he's bleeding from his mouth. I mean, people should take notice of that because as well as Stafford played for a lot of that game, Von Miller, when you have a pass rush coming from the outside with him and Leonard Floyd and you're pushing the quarterback into Aaron Donald in the interior, 
that is a that is a way and you look look at how Patrick Mahomes lost the Super Bowl when the Chiefs got lost to the Bucks last year what happened Mahomes's offensive line could not stop the Bucks pass rush right now the Chiefs offensive line has done a great job of retooling but I think the Rams if Stafford doesn't you know totally collapse obviously we saw that the Rams are far from perfect but I think they have the recipe especially what Les Need has done adding to that defense. And now you have Odell looking like the old Odell. <laughs> I think they can do it. You know, I don't think you can rule them out. The Bengals are a team too. They already beat the Chiefs. Yep. And now that was in Cincinnati, but that was late in the year. That was at a time where everybody's rounding into the form and they went toe to toe and point for point. And I think Joe Burrow threw for something like 277 yards in the final quarter of the game or the final half of the game or something absurd hmm. so and their defense is actually unsung too Luana Rumo their defensive coordinator used to coach for the Giants used to coach with the Dolphins actually is from Staten Island here in New York and to bring things back to what we were talking about earlier he actually comes from um, a high school Susan Wagner in Staten Island where his coach there the head coach there was famous for always going for two <laughs> in high school Right. And never kicking extra points. And so to tie it all full circle here, um, they've got some aggressiveness and some some real grit along with their talent. Do I think the Bengals can beat the Chiefs in a playoff game here? Boy, it would be hard to predict that. But um, I would say most likely win the Super Bowl right now. Chiefs, Rams, Bengals. Niners. Niners. Well, I think I, I couldn't disagree. Uh, I, I think that's exactly what. Yes or no, yeah, Brady we, plays We got to go. Yes what? or no, Brady plays next Brady, Yes, he plays. Yes, yes, he okay. plays. Okay, good. End, yeah. of, end of discussion. Uh, <laughs> Patrick, always a pleasure. We thank you very much. And uh, who knows, we may, uh, we may buggy again before this uh, season is over, which would mean we'd have to do it in the next couple of weeks. But um, it, it's uh, always fun to have you on. Thank you very much. I would love to. There's going to be a lot of coaching and GM hires coming up, plus obviously the playoff game. So let's do it again soon. Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News will come back and wrap it after these messages. Uh, and we're back. So why are you so uh, uh, adamant that Brady's coming back? Why wouldn't I be? He's come back 24 straight years. No. He, he, I, I play he, the odds. Not a good Until way to Until there's a career. five at the beginning of his age, I'm not, dis I'm not precluding Brady coming back. I'm betting on it. Yeah, I think he wants to beat George Blanda's record. Well, I, is it, well, what was Blanda? 47 in the end? I think 47 he was for. Well, who was the oldest? Lou Groza? No, I think Blanda was older. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, most of our audience, Google George Blanda. Yeah, well. He was, uh, my, real, he was one of my favorite players, by the way. I love George Blanda. Uh, thanks to Pat Leonard for uh, joining us. That was great. Oh, um, Just a, a quick note. Congrats to... Um, Shapovalov and Oje Eliassime, both of them Quarters. advancing still at the U.S. Open. This is getting to Australian. be Australian. Australian Open. Open. Sorry. Um, this, this, is, this is really quite fascinating for Canadians. We went like our whole lives and never had a player who had a shot yeah. at a major championship. And now it's like every year. Shapovalov's again, Nadal, though, you have to wonder. Yeah. Well, look at that. And, and you have to wonder if, if what, what advantage Shapovalov has with the surface that it's on. Well, look, you get down to this point in a major championship. Generally speaking, the guy across the net from you is not some stiff. 
he's pretty good. You think? You're going to have to play the top seeds eventually in most cases. And um, Unless they get deported. <laughs> unless they get kicked out of the country. Well, uh, all I wanted to say was congrats to both of them, and uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on them over the next couple of days. Uh, we thank you for watching or listening, as the case may be, for John Shannon, Bob McCowan. Uh, see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.